In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp. Adders getting ready for Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl coming up December 30th. They got back on the practice field yesterday for the first time. We will uh, probably not talk a lot about that. It's signing day tomorrow, so obviously we will get into the 2022 class. Going to be joined by John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com as well as 2022 commit Cade Iacomelli. We spoke with him as well. That's coming up here later in the episode. First, a couple of things to get to. The news of yesterday, Colin Wilder's career with Wisconsin done a little bit early. Safety, going to miss the bowl game with an injury. Released about a three-minute Pretty emotional video yesterday describing what Wisconsin has meant to him and certainly what I think we can all agree he meant to Wisconsin. He was very, very uh, an emotional leader, was kind of the best voice coming out of that locker room this year. Everyone loved talking to him. A lot of good things about him. It's really, really disappointing that his final game or his final play, I should say, is that targeting call against Minnesota for not being here for his entire career. It made quite the impact, Jesse. Yeah, he absolutely did. He decided he wanted to come back for a sixth season and I think did as much as he possibly could this year. It's a shame that he has to go out this way, especially considering, as he mentioned, his final play is that targeting ejection against Minnesota doesn't get a chance to, to play in the bowl. But one of the all-time good dudes I've ever covered at Wisconsin, been doing this for 11 seasons. And uh, some of that it has to be his just general personality and his willingness to interact with the media. But I think we saw in that moment after the loss to Notre Dame, how passionate he is about this program and how much it means to him. It, I, I hadn't seen an interview quite like that where someone was willing to open up and talk about really call people out, but not in a way that was trying to throw them under the bus, but that was trying to lift this program up. And you saw how Wisconsin was able to turn things around when seven consecutive games, put itself in position to compete for a big 10 West championship. And guys like Colin were a major reason why, because he was a voice that people were listening to in the locker room behind the scenes. And also did some really good things on the field, too. Obviously uh, tied for the lead with interceptions with three and um, was just in general a leader for that group and um, energy and everything that he brought to it. So it's disappointing that we won't get to see him one more time on the field for Wisconsin. He uh, will miss the bowl game. Means John Torchio likely to get a lot more playing time, uh, just like he did against Minnesota. And uh, I think that's probably something we're going to see a lot next year as well with uh, Scott Nelson moving on as well, moving on whether it's John Torchio, Travion Blaylock, Hunter Wooler, insert somebody else here. There's going to be a lot of different faces on defense. And I think we'll – so just uh, for you guys, before we get into the recruiting, uh, it's a uh, – I don't, I don't want to call it a huge week for the media, but it kind of is because uh, obviously with signing day in past years, it's kind of just been a blah. We haven't really gotten anything uh, in ter- because for whatever reason – they haven't held any any kind of availability. It's just been it's signing day, here we go kind of thing. And tomorrow that's going to change. I'll get an opportunity, obviously, to chat with Paul Christ. But then also all the assistants are going to be made available as well. Many of them speaking for the first time since August. So we will be coming back and doing another show this week on Thursday to break down everything that we get from them on Wednesday. We'll also get to speak with offensive players. That is being on Tuesday and uh, defensive players on Thursday. But this is a... I mean, it's a, it's a big week for us just because we haven't had a chance to speak with a lot of these guys 
in uh, several, several months. So that, that'll give you kind of an idea of what we'll be doing here in our, in our second show this week. But this show is going to focus largely on signing day and kind of be our, our normal signing day show. But it's also going to deal with uh, Jesse's conversation with Paul Christ. He sat down with uh, a few members of the media yesterday. And I don't know, how, how long was it, Jesse? It's about 40 minutes. Yeah, about 40 minutes. And you decided, I mean, uh, thankfully, to just put it in a Q&A, post it up on The Athletic, and let us read what, what he said over those 40 minutes. And there were a lot of interesting things. It was all about the recruiting for the most part, and uh, also obviously roster building for 2022. I have some of the more interesting parts that, that uh, I'd like to ask you about, but I'd like to give you the floor first in terms of what you thought was most important that came out of your conversation with Paul Christ. So there were a few things. Obviously, the the number one question I've been asked in the last six months, really since not only what since Saeed Khalif left and took over in the recruiting role at Michigan State, but since my conversation with him in August when he talked about the his perceive his view was that there was a lack of resources, a lack of people resources committed to Wisconsin's recruiting department. Uh, is number one question I've gotten is what's going on with the recruiting department? We haven't gotten any answers. Last time. I really even asked about it with Paul was in July at Big Ten Media Days. And at that time, he said that they were going to they were going to fill the role. Um, and that was kind of it. We, we didn't know what the plan was. So that was uh, a, the basis of, of how this conversation came together with Paul in his office um, to discuss his philosophy, his vision for the department. And the, the, the few things that stood out to me were, first of all, he is anticipating filling out this staff. Um, by February, he, he's going to spend January putting it all together. He doesn't, and he didn't want to do it. People have wondered, well, what have you been doing for the last six months? He was in the middle of a season and he didn't want to rush into making a hire that wasn't the right fit. He looked into people, but they felt like at the time in June, when Saeed left, the official visits were opening up. Wisconsin had already built relationships with pretty much all those guys. There was a reason why they were coming onto campus. And so a lot of the legwork had been done. Um, so, and people that he had on his staff really took on multiple roles and, and filled in for Saeed. So Eric Johnson, um, whose official title is executive director of football administration has been handling the bulk of the recruiting work with Saeed gone, but he spent 15 seasons in coaching and recruiting at Iowa. And he was the program's football recruiting coordinator. So I suppose it's helped Wisconsin that they've had that in their back pocket. Um, but Paul, I think the big thing is, and one of the things that Saeed said at Wisconsin, the highest number of full-time staffers he had was four. By the end, it was two. It was him and it was Jensen Gebhardt, who's now also at Michigan State. And he talked about how the Spartans would have like a dozen people. And I, I asked Paul about that. A lot has been made about, well, X school has this many staffers. Wisconsin has four. He doesn't view it in the, in the same way as, as I think it's a straight up black and white number. He views it as how many do we need? He's not going to go out and get a bunch of people just for the sake of trying to have as many as another school. But he also says that he feels like if he needs someone, he can get them. So I, he didn't give a straight up answer on what that number is. I think it was more like, these are the types of roles that people can fill. And he did acknowledge that you're going to need someone in your recruiting department who can monitor the transfer portal, who can handle the communications aspect, the graphics aspect the high school recruiting relations. Um, and so from the sound of it, maybe that takes a couple different people, but this, the recruiting department is going to look different by February. It's just not going to have as many people as say at Michigan state, but that's, 
that's kind of how Wisconsin's operated. And he mentioned that the idea of analysts, you see what happens in the SEC, there's 40 analysts as a school. Well, he's not going to do that just because other schools do it. He wants to, as he called it, make sure that people's plates are full, that there's not a gap here where you hire too many people and then they're not working to their capacity, which he feels like he's seen before. So, I mean, those are a couple of the things that I thought were notable from the conversation. Um, but feel free to ask, feel free to ask your, your questions or your biggest takeaways. I will say, so there were three of us that met with him. I wanted to run it as a Q and a rather than a straight up story because I wanted to differentiate it from the other stories. And I thought it was important for people to see what specifically was asked about the recruiting department and recruiting in general, and how Paul answered those questions. Um, I know some people, particularly in the comments section of the story, um, were less than thrilled with, with how Paul answered those questions. I think that's kind of just how Paul is, and that's how he is in press conference settings. But I did feel like it was important for people to see um, the kind of sequence of events in that conversation, rather than me just picking out a couple of quotes. So that's part of why I, I chose to do the Q&A format. And plus, I think it just is, it's been very successful at The Athletic with a lot of the conversations that I had. The one that I had with Saeed was a Q&A format. So uh, that's a, a, a small explanation on why I chose to go that route. Question for you. Uh, Saeed left in June, correct? Correct. Start of June. When did the season start? <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, fall camp started in early August. So that's a two-month window. Yeah, there's, that's plenty of time to hire somebody, especially when it's important like that, to leave that. Obviously, Eric Johnson, as you mentioned, his knowledge and his uh, base of where he was and everything like that, he can fill in. But that's seven months going without somebody that you know is going to lead the department. I, is Eric Johnson a potential person that's going to lead that department? I, I don't know the answer to that. It sounds like that there's likely external hires that are going to be made um, because they're pulling Eric Johnson away from his other responsibilities. Right. But I didn't get clarity on and I don't think Paul would have said like, yeah, I'm going to hire Eric. I think it's January is the time for him to go full throttle on this as soon as Wisconsin's football season is over. So I'm not sure exactly who it's going to be, but I think he's going to explore an outside hire. At least that would, that would be my thought process until he finds the right fit. That doesn't preclude Eric from getting the job, but I think there's going to be multiple people that he's got to bring on to fill the roles that he referenced, even if it's a couple people and not eight, like some people might want. Yes, the the whole fill the plate thing, right? Right. And I know he was asked, has anybody come up to you and said that their plate is too full? And he said, no. Does he think somebody really was going to do that? Like, I, 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 think, I think it's very difficult. I think, I don't know, we've all been in those situations. Like when a boss comes to you and says, right. uh, is your plate too full? No, 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 not, no, of course not. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grind through this. It's fine. It's all good. No problems. I would hope that those same people, though, that would be, would come to him and say we need more help. But again, I, I think that's a difficult conversation sometimes. And I and I will I I think it's I agree with him that it, just throwing people at a at a problem is not always the best solution. There's no doubt about that. But filling everyone's plate up full isn't also I think always the best thing either. I mean that, that that's not necessarily the greatest. And again, this is not this is coming from a, a place that you know not knowing exactly what all those plates would be full of, right? Like, I don't know. What do you think he's looking for in a person that, that leads that department? Yeah, I, 
That's another good question. I mean, obviously, if he's going to bring someone in to represent the program, then it has to align with what Paul wants, I think. You know, I, I go back to the discussion I had with Saeed, where it seemed as though, from Saeed's perspective, there was perhaps a little bit of a disconnect because their personalities are so different. Anybody who followed Saeed on social media saw that he was, and he, he said this himself, the mouthpiece for the program. He's, he's putting it out there. He's pumping up Wisconsin. He's, um, I mean, Paul obviously doesn't even have a Twitter account, right? Like they're just very different personalities. I don't know that that means you can't or won't bring somebody in who's going to be similar to that. Saeed and the recruiting department in general had a lot of success. I think it's more of who, who fits the picture that Paul wants, who can do the tasks that he wants and who understands challenges may not be the right word, but, but the way Wisconsin operates. So it's a little bit different from some other programs. So in terms of the exact person, that's really tough to say. Um, But I did think, and I do give him credit for laying out what types of roles he thinks those people coming in can fill. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to get at, (laughs) you know, the exact point that Paul is making, but I do think there was some good stuff in there. Um, And we'll have to wait and see, I suppose, until February, but at least he did lay out a timeline and it's not like we're going to drag this thing on into the summer. I know, again, as you said, people may think that they should have had something in place to this point. I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but there will be changes to the department in the next two months. You mentioned the challenges that that are presented. Do you think he understands all those challenges? I absolutely do think so. And he addressed some of them about, because I, one of the other questions I asked him was, what's your, would your plan be to bring in a director of player personnel and have others under that? Or like, what is your vision? And he said, I think if you're going to ask at this time a year ago, the answer would be different than it is this year. Uh, I said, well, is it because of COVID? And he talked about, it's not, just COVID, but he went into detail about the transfer portal and how last year that it was a talking point, it was happening, but he felt like this is the first year where it's really in play. And we've certainly seen it from Wisconsin's perspective, the number of guys that leave at midseason and how many players are available. And I think he totally gets the challenges. I really do. He talked about how there's a thousand people in the portal and not a thousand of those guys are going to wind up at, at a, a place that they want or a better program. And that that's why with that many people in the portal and the shifting nature of college football, it's so important to have somebody. He said, you better have someone that's pro- that's primarily devoted to or has more awareness of the transfer portal. Talked about name image likeness as another piece of it. And he said, that's not all on the recruiting staff, but he did mention the idea of like, what can you have and what, what do you get in terms of number of people you have? You have 10 assistant coaches, four GAs, and those people help. And then you have different support staff. I, I really do believe that he, he totally grasps it. It's just, it's just that Wisconsin does it a little bit differently because it, someone may be helping out in Wisconsin's department in, in recruiting, and they may not be a recruiting staffer. That's kind of how Wisconsin does it. That dude, Does somebody fall under the recruiting department as one of those, let's say, how Michigan State has 12 people or whatever? Not necessarily at Wisconsin. So it's delegating and sharing the workload, but I do think he, he has a good sense of kind of the shifting nature of college football in general and what Wisconsin has to do to succeed. He also said that he thinks he could get whatever he wanted resource-wise, right? Like yeah. that, do you believe that? I do. And he said it's within reason. And he talked about that idea of that he, he knew a coach who asked went somewhere and asked for 40 analysts. And like 
that's just how it is at some other places. Wisconsin's not going to do that because that's not how they operate. But within reason, I, I do believe that Paul could get what he wants. And I don't know what that number is because, again, Paul didn't have a number in mind. It was more about how the responsibility is allocated. But let's say he wanted two or three people or, or two people or something like that. I, I absolutely believe that he could and he certainly should get what, it, what he wants in that capacity. It's not asking like it's not like he's asking for you know, the moon. It's, it's how can we be competitive and be the most successful program that we can be and as we all know, recruiting, as for the as cliche it is, is the lifeblood of college football and college athletics in general. And so, in order to to succeed, you've got to have the resources in place. And and so, I do believe that he could he will get what he wants. I just don't think he's going to ask for twenty people. But you do need more people in that department to get it to where it needs to be. A couple more things uh, before we get to to John McNamara. Uh, Trying to decide which one I want to ask first. The, the communication aspect of it. We, we talk, we've sure. talked about that, right? Um, you, in your uh, exit interviews with players, they mentioned communication or the lack thereof and, and kind of not knowing where they're at uh, in the program. You asked him or someone asked him about that. That kind of sounded like a you questioned it, was it? It was. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when he says uh, that it's not just on him, it's on everybody, like what does that mean? Well, I think what he's getting at is, so those players, they work every day with their position coaches. He's saying that there are other people in the program who are also regularly communicating or provide those players with an avenue to discuss what's going on. He wasn't uh, sidestepping responsibility. It was far from that. In fact, he talked about that if you make that important, then that that has to be a, a really big part. And he talked about, you know, kids, you can read them. And he said, you're never too busy for that. So I think I want to make that very clear from the way that he responded to the answer. I, I th- There's almost nothing more important than making sure that players are on the same page. But again, with 100 plus players, I do think it can be a challenge. He talked about there's there's other coaches, there's strength coaches. He mentioned guys like Chris Orr and Jack Sitchie who have been around. And he also talked about that because of, the connections that you have when you come into this program, there is probably someone for you to help you through an issue. And he, he talked specifically about that. He can put them in touch with a player who just came through the program, who went through something similar so they can talk to so-and-so and, and about how they remember going through something similar. I actually thought it was a, even though it wasn't a, a particularly lengthy answer of a fairly illuminating response on just how he views how, what that communication can look like. Again, when I'm talking to these guys who are leaving the program, particularly the two in season that I did speak to, Devin Chandler and Quan Easterling, they were young players who didn't get what they wanted here and were leaving disappointed with their roles. So that was their perspective. And I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, those perspectives aren't accurate. They both felt like they didn't necessarily have a good idea of what it is they needed to do to get to the next level. But at least from Paul's perspective, there are a lot of people in the program who can talk to players. And Paul will always have his door open for those guys as well. The other uh, question I wanted to ask is about the class of 2022 and in the state of Wisconsin, because Mm -hmm. we talked about this the last time, like there are, uh, you know, with, um, have we, I don't know, have we, eh, I'm trying to think we've, we've, we haven't done a show since, since Billy Shrouth decided to go to Notre Dame. I always thought for whatever reason that the impact of COVID would hurt 
other teams trying to come into Wisconsin more so than it would hurt Wisconsin in trying to keep kids in. But he seems to think their inability to get those kids on campus, being able to come down and, and meet their players, you know, last year or whatever, impacted their ability to keep these kids in state. So I also asked him that question and I couched it in a way in that way as well, because look, I think the same thing that it's, I, I, Wisconsin has had so much success recruiting the state as everybody knows you look at since 2017 and on Wednesday, that streak is going to continue when offensive lineman, Joe Brunner signs, Paul Christ will have signed and the program will have signed the number one player in Wisconsin for six consecutive classes dating to 2017. The top five players in the class from 2017 to 2021, 21 of the 25 signed with Wisconsin. So that's kind of become the expectation and the norm. This 2022 class was unique for a couple different reasons. And, and Braylon Allen did fit into that before he reclassified. But all these guys were designated as four-star prospects, basically as sophomores. And so they were national players far earlier than most in-state kids. And therefore, they started to get offers from all these other programs. And, and I, I agree with Paul in this aspect that for 15 months, from March 2020 until June 2020, 2021, easy for me to say, nobody could go anywhere because there was the, the NCAA mandated, mandated dead period. So there was no in-person recruiting. And that is a time where particularly in-state recruits come here all the time. And Paul talked about it. Just come here for the day. Go to a class with a player. Go eat lunch with a player. Talk about whatever you want to. How does this coach interact? What's it like to come here? It basically made those guys out-of-state prospects. I thought that was a really interesting way of putting it, how, how Paul said it, because that leveled the playing field. And I'm not saying that that is the reason that Billy Shrouth is going to Notre Dame. You have to also consider that not everybody from this state grow up, grows up wanting to play for Wisconsin. Uh, you know, Most people do, but not every single person does. And I think all those factors came into play in the 2022 class but there's no question that that 15-month period leveled the playing field and gave all these other schools an opportunity to come in to state borders and have more success. So 40 minutes with Paul Christ. You, asked, you guys got to ask a bunch of questions. Are there any other questions that were left unanswered that, that you still have? Well, in, in black and white, I'd like to know how many, how many people do you plan to hire how many are you going to have in your department uh, exactly? But I think he did a, a reasonable job of laying out what those roles and responsibilities will be. I thought I, I've got an answer as to why the, the, the numbers aren't going to be the way they are at other schools. And that may irk some fans. I, I understand when you just compare straight up school A to school B and you say, well, you've got to sort of keep up in order to, to get to the next level. But I think he, he pretty much addressed the questions that I had as best that he could, but I'm interested to hear whether you thought after, after reading the interview, there were some questions that you still had that you think weren't at, at least asked or addressed. Asked? Uh, not really. I mean, I could, the, the thing about um, people be like, why didn't you ask a follow-up? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? I mean, the answer you're going to get is the answer you're going to get with Paul Chris yeah. for the most part. So it's, it's one of those things, but I, uh, there were some answers that were difficult to follow, um, sure. but that's just because, and we all know how he talks. So th there are, there are times that it, it's hard to follow and exactly what he's getting at. But if you kind of parse through it, you can kind of get, get an idea. I, I, again, I, my, my biggest, I guess, issue with, with his answers would be the idea that I didn't want, I, I was in season and I couldn't 
fill that spot. You know what I mean? Like that, it happened in June. I'm sure you knew earlier than June that it was going to happen. Like that, that's the most important, one of the most important positions within a program is uh, the person that's heading up recruiting, the one that's identifying players, uh, meeting, uh, being the first contact for players, being the people that are going to set these things up and, and to have that spot open for seven months. Even if you, even if you, you know, have Eric Johnson there, I think that that's going to be very, very difficult for some people to accept. And so that, I mean, that, that's my biggest takeaway coming from, because I think that, that that's a lot of people's questions. It's like, who is running things? Again, the, the, the interview answered a lot of questions. I, as you said, I don't think everyone's going to be happy with all the answers, but that's just the way it is. Uh, you, you can ask the questions and you get the answers that you, that you get and people are going to have to live with that. That's, that's just what it is. And I'm sure he'll be asked some more questions on Wednesday. Uh, all right, let's get into our interview with, with John McNamara. We'll follow that up with, with Cade Yacomelli as uh, Wisconsin gets ready to sign their 2022 class. And we need to bring in uh, John McNamara, our favorite recruiting analyst. He is also the editor for BadgerBlitz.com. John, thank you very much for joining us. It is another signing day. And uh, it's a much smaller class this year for Wisconsin. When you look at this class, were you expecting bigger numbers? Were you expecting different guys? What, what are your overall takeaways from what Wisconsin is going to be putting uh, on paper on Wednesday? Yeah, you know, going into this class, um, I think something that I wrote about and probably others wrote about that, you know, this class was not going to stack up. Um, in terms of recruiting rankings like the previous class did and, you know, really the previous handful of classes, you know, obviously the, the 2021 group was the, was the highest rated class that the Badgers have ever brought in, you know, during the internet era. Um, and this class was just never going to get there simply because of numbers. And, you know, you see that right now as Wisconsin has 13 scholarship commitments, um, that number could grow, you know, by one or two or possibly three by, by Wednesday. Um, even though I don't expect it to get that high, but, um, you know, just in terms of numbers and available scholarships, um, this class is not going to get up to, you know, where Wisconsin's normally at, which is in the twenties. So, um, I think that was probably understood and established right away. Um, the second part of that, you know, does it include some of the names that you thought it would maybe just a couple months ago? Um, you know, Billy Schroth isn't there and he's an in-state kid who you probably thought was going to be part of this class. You know, when he picked up an offer early just because of the success Wisconsin said, uh, Carson Hinsman still hasn't made a decision. Uh, you know, Jerry Cross, you know, made a very early commitment to Penn State. Um, and then we're still waiting on Isaac Ham as well. So, you know, with the job Wisconsin's done inside the state, um, they're, they have lost guys and they may lose some more in the hours before signing day, which has been uncharacteristic of this program. John, how big of a deal do you think that is? I think a lot of fans see the success the Badgers have had inside the state and assume that it, when this class came out, Braylon Allen included, I suppose, there were six four-star players. And the thought was that if you lost a couple of them, it would be considered a failure. Uh, maybe the viewpoint is different at this point. But how big of a deal do you think it is if one or two, which are already gone, or three, don't pick Wisconsin? What does that mean for the future? Or do you think it's a bit of an anomaly this year, given the circumstances with the class? You know, I think you could argue both ways. You know, it's a little bit of an anomaly because, you know, Wisconsin traditionally doesn't have this many blue chip guys where, you know, obviously Ohio State's in the mix and Notre Dame's in the mix. You've seen a lot of SEC schools come in to recruit these kids. So, you know, that part of it is very unique. Um, I, I do think it is a big deal because if Wisconsin wants to compete at the level 
that fans expected to compete at, you have to get the kids from inside the state. Um, you know, there's just not enough for them to be, you know, picky and choosy with the kids from inside the state. You have to lock up that top in-state talent um, each and every year in order to compete at the highest level. It's just the, you know, the recruiting demographic that Wisconsin has to work with. Uh, so I, I do think it's a big deal that guys have left the state. And, you know, if you see Hinsman potentially go to Ohio State, you know, that's another big blow as well. So I do think it's a big deal. But this, like you said, Jesse, is, is a unique year because Wisconsin's had, you know, three of the best offensive linemen in the country and just about every school come in and try to poach them from, from Wisconsin. Why do you think they're not at Wisconsin or won't be at Wisconsin in a couple of cases? I, I, I don't think it is a, okay, this is what Wisconsin did wrong across the board issue. I think it's kind of a case by case thing. Um, you know, they locked up Joe Brunner. So, you know, that was obviously a big deal. He's the top ranked kid in the state. Um, they got him locked in, in in the summer during his official visit Stroth was a guy out in front and he, you know, he said that, you know, right away, Notre Dame was my leader. Wisconsin got back in the picture once they got him on campus for an official visit in the summer, you know, to the point where a lot of people, myself included, thought that Wisconsin took the lead and they'd lock him up, you know, late summer, early fall. Um, and then you go into the fall where, you know, Wisconsin and Notre Dame kind of went back and forth and back and forth where depending on who you talk to, you know, it was a different leader. You know, it was Notre Dame, Wisconsin at some point, obviously he's going to sign with Notre Dame. That's a pretty significant blow. Uh, and then Carson Hinsman, uh, you know, a guy who had a lot of offers kind of set his focus on Wisconsin, Ohio state. Uh, he has yet to make his decision. You know, we talking to him just recently, we had a story on him yesterday where he's basically torn. So he's a guy who may not decide on Wednesday. He might take it out, you know, beyond this early signing period. So I don't think you can say, you know, for, for this entire class or whoever they end up losing, it was one thing or one thing Wisconsin had wrong across the board. I think you got to look at all those cases individually. And, um, you know, Wisconsin lost a really tough battle with Notre Dame and, you know, they could lose a really tough battle with Ohio State. Um, it's just, you know, two elite programs coming after these kids from, from inside the state of Wisconsin. I almost feel like losing Hinsman would be a bigger blow than Shrouth. Maybe it's because it would come on the heels of Shrouth picking Notre Dame, but I sort of felt like it was going to be Notre Dame with him anyway, and Hinsman would be two four-star offensive linemen you're losing from the straight state. Um, but I guess I also wanted to ask this. So they do have Brunner coming in. He's the number one player in the state. They've signed the number one kid for six straight classes. And if I'm not mistaken, at least at this point, you look at projected scholarships for next season, there'll be 13 offensive linemen. I, I imagine that number will probably grow. Eight of them were four or five star high school prospects. So as nice as it would have been for Wisconsin to get those two other guys and as, as heightened as it is because they're in state, I feel like the O-line is going to be okay, even if they don't get Hinsman either, because they've got Brunner and they've got so much talent. Do you think that's a fair way to put it? Yeah. If, if you are a, a glass half full type of guy, you could definitely look at it that way. Look, we recruit this position extremely well. Um, you know, we can get guys from inside the state. Yeah, obviously you'd want Shrouth. You do want Hinsman. Um, but at a position like that, they have recruited extremely well. And there's nothing to lead you to think that they won't continue to recruit very well. Um, you know, like you mentioned, they got Joe Brunner. Um, you know, they, they got Nelson coming in as well in this class, Barrett Nelson uh, from Stoughton. Obviously, people know his older brother, Jack Nelson. So, you know, that's not like we went into this class as Wisconsin staff with as a huge position of need. This just happens to be the next in line of some really elite guys 
in this 2022 class that they weren't able to capitalize on. So, um, you know, if there was a position where you wanted to potentially lose guys, which obviously you never do, offensive line is a lot more bearable than if you, you know, lost out on, you know, two stud receivers or a stud running back from inside the state. So, yeah, if, if you want to look at the any silver lining or a, a way to kind of spin this, you know, offensive line was a position where Wisconsin could afford to take a few tough blows here in this class and, and probably still be all right when they come out in the end. I don't think people are going to do that. <laughs> they, you're, you're absolutely But, <laughs> you know, no, I'm like, a, you know, Jesse can, you know, Jesse can look at it like that. I don't, I don't think a lot of people probably will look like, look at it like that. And that's fine. I mean, it is, yeah, it's, it's not great. The quarterback position, Miles Burkett, you get him. Where would you say, compared to the recent guys Wisconsin has gotten, where would he be in your mind? That's a good question. And it's, it's unique because he's an in-state kid in the last, you know, scholarship in-state guy, I guess it was Danny Vandenboom, but for a long time, he was a walk-on, um, you know, you go back to Tyler Donovan and that was, you know, a long time ago. So obviously this is an estate that produces a lot of high-end quarterback talent. Um, you know, for a long time, Wisconsin was focused on Devin Brown in this class with John Budmeyer. And for a period of time, I thought Wisconsin jumped out to such an early lead there that they would uh, eventually get him. But, you know, he, he committed elsewhere. And I think um, he's going to s- sign with Ohio State uh, tomorrow as well. So, um, you know, once they had to reshuffle their board, you look at their next tier of guys and Miles Burkett was there and he was someone that John, John Budmeyer targeted. Um, I think he committed and then Budmeyer left within the next handful of days or maybe even the next day. Um, but, you know, from, from what he brings to the table, I think you look at Burkett, maybe from the first glance, you say, okay, this is a dual threat guy. I think the more that you kind of pour into his tape, um, he fits that pro style offense very well. And, you know, talking to his you know high school coach and specifically his offensive coordinator, he thinks what Miles does at the high school level is going to translate really well to Wisconsin does, um, obviously at the college level there. Um, extremely accurate passer. Um, I think you saw that his senior year obviously led Franklin to an undefeated season and state title uh, at Camp Randall. So I think his accuracy sticks out to me as well, decision-making. But he is a guy, though, you know, if the pocket breaks down, uh, he can scramble for a first down if needed. But, you know, I think he's very much a a fit in the pro style and not a Gary Anderson-esque dual threat guy, if if that's what you're looking at just by his label right now. Well, he's definitely going to be motivated. Because I know an Iowa coach told me he'd never play in the Big Ten, so uh, he's just one of those chip on your shoulder guys. It seems like. But what what positions do you think Wisconsin addressed best in this class, and which ones do you think there was still room for improvement? I thought they addressed receiver, you know, pretty well. I'm I'm real high on Tommy McIntosh. Um, you know, six foot four, maybe six foot five, two hundred pounds, um, extremely athletic kid, and they just don't have a kid like him. Um, on their current roster. So I thought they did a great job in landing him. Uh, Vinny Anthony is, is kind of a, a wild card there. You know, you look at his recruitment, they didn't have the, you know, a lot of the names, you know, a lot of the big power five schools that went after him, but he was someone that Elvis Witted saw pretty early in the process and targeted. And, you know, they were able to lock him up. And then, uh, you know, Cade Giacomelli's coming in as an athlete. I think he probably projects best as, as a wide receiver. So I, I think that's where he'll get a start, but that hasn't been established just yet. Um, so you know, if you look at terms of where they, they hit on pretty well, I think it might start at receiver, but again, with just 13 guys right now, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of positions where we have multiple guys. So, um, you know, you could probably say the same thing at cornerback, um, Corey Light is a kid, you know, 20 plus scholarships from that New Jersey area. And probably one of my favorite guys in this class, 
um, Avon Jones from Texas. Um, you know, a guy's going to come in a corner. He could play safety for you. He can play nickel for you. I think he's probably the most versatile guy that Wisconsin is going to bring in in this class. And I, I think that could potentially allow him to, to contribute a little bit earlier in his career as well. All right, some uh, signing day uh, superlatives here for you, John. Just you just give me. I'll give you the question. You give me the name. Most underrated recruit. Underrated, yeah. That would that would be Macintosh for me. Um, like I talked about, you know, he he was kind of a relative unknown going into you know beyond his junior, and he blew up in the spring. Um, heavily recruited throughout the summer, and winds up at Wisconsin. You know, another guy who had twenty plus offers. Um, narrowed his focus to a handful of schools and you know Wisconsin did a really nice job in his recruitment so I would say Tommy McIntosh right there biggest surprise that ended up in the class probably JTC Greaves from inside the state now his commitment was not a surprise but the way that his recruitment unfolded was you know he was a kid you thought hey he might be you know a low-level division one basketball player he goes to Wisconsin's camp kind of knocks them out of the water they say hey come back to our next camp he does that goes head to head with a kid who's going to end up signing with Ohio or I'm sorry, Iowa state from inside the state, um, state of Wisconsin, you know, they offer him, he commits. So his recruiting process was surprising, not necessarily his commitment. Least surprising person to end up in the class. <laughs> I'd probably say Barrett Nelson, um, Wisconsin legacy brother, Jack plays there. Um, you know, he was a guy that you thought, you know, even way back that, Wisconsin find a spot for him in this class and obviously they were able to do that most likely to play early that's a tough one because you know you look at this roster there's not a whole lot of holes um if there was someone you might say running back you know they they would love to add Jaden Ott here in the next couple of days maybe next couple of hours um I don't see that happening so I think maybe that was a need that they didn't fill um but potentially playing early maybe a guy like Austin Brown um the safety coming in from Illinois um you know, maybe what Wisconsin's coaches thought was, hey, this is what uh, Braylon Allen's going to look like. You know, kind of a hybrid safety can play in the box if you need him to, can cover if you need him to. Um, obviously, he took a different path that worked out very well. But, you know, just for where Austin Brown is physically and the position of need at safety, I think that he could get on the field right away. Most likely to be an All-American. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'd probably say Brunner, you know, just from, you know, his talents um, and at a position like Wisconsin where, you know, obviously offensive linemen are, um, have done very well there. So I would pick Joe Brunner's if, if there's a potential All-American in this class, that's my pick. What assistant coach had the best year? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, it's, I, if you look at this at the staff as a whole, I don't think that you could point to anyone and say, okay, that's Wisconsin ace recruiter. Um, you know, they've had that on past staffs where, um, you know, even going back to, to Brett Bielema, we are like, okay, Dave Dorn is like the, the star recruiter on his staff. You know, Thomas Brown was a, a very strong recruiter. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of names there. I don't know that you could pick out one guy specifically and say, you know, this was Wisconsin star recruiter in this class. You know, you, you saw a lot of guys chip in, uh, in, in different areas here. So I, I really can't give you one guy who, who outshined the rest in, in, this, in this class. All right. John, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time and uh, enjoy a, a few uh, busy days here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. And we do bring in a special guest here on the camp. It is Cade Iacomelli. Wisconsin recruit for the 2022 class, going to be signing his letter of intent on Wednesday. 
out of Pennsylvania, coming off the first state title in school history for uh, Penn Trafford. What was that experience like? Went to overtime? How exciting was that uh, for you and, and for the school? Oh, I mean, I, I'm speechless, uh, especially especially not because what it meant to me and my team, but what it meant to uh, the community. Um, I mean, it was it's really special. We have people like texting us constantly, the players. We have teachers obviously supporting us. Um, I mean, my coach actually told me today that uh, some rich alumni kind of wants to throw like a big party for us, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Um, so, I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's something special there for us. Uh, and that's, that's something we're definitely going to, you know, celebrate, obviously. Kate, a couple of weeks ago, I think you guys won the, is it the WPI L championship? Am I missing a letter there? Uh, d- yeah. WPIAL. WPIAL. Like Can you yeah. explain for people out here how big of a deal that is? Cause is that a bigger thing than a state championship? Um, I mean, for... It's going to sound weird for us, um, like around Western PA, I'm going to say the WPI is like pro- arguably probably the biggest thing. Um, it's like, it's the league we're in. It's not the state, but it's obviously it's the league. Um, like when we won that thing, cause we won that for the first time in school history too. So we obviously were on cloud nine. Um, but then we kind of, it was really hard for us to bring ourselves back down to earth because, you know, like, it's almost like, all you want is the whip you. And then after you have the whip you, it's like, it's almost like you're done, but then it's like, wait a second, you're not. Um, but so it's, it's weird. It's almost like States is kind of like a bowl game, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we definitely didn't treat it like one I and mean, we definitely came out. Uh, we definitely played. Um, and it was, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Not just win the first Whippeal title, but to win the first state. It's, it's awesome. Let's, let's get into how you ended up committing to Wisconsin. Obviously Wisconsin's had some history of going into Pennsylvania and getting some really good kids. There's some really good kids in Pennsylvania on the team right now. Obviously, the Rucci brothers uh, stand out, I think, for fans. But how did you end up at Wisconsin for a camp to get that offer and then to commit to Wisconsin? How did that all play out? Um, I mean, I just felt like I felt like they were giving me enough love, if that makes sense. Um, last year, when I was a junior, about like halfway through the year, I started talking to Coach Rudolph a little bit um, here and there and here and there. And then eventually I talked to him more and more and more. And then after the season, I was talking to him on the phone. I was talking to Coach Witted. Um, and it, I, I truly felt like, you know, like I, I had a shot there. I truly felt like they were really interested, uh, not just, you know, not just kind of just kind of looking at me like I thought they were really looking at me. Um, so then eventually that that right there is what convinced me to go to camp. So I ended up going to camp in June. I believe the day was June 3rd. I could be wrong. Um, I think it was June 3rd. Yeah. And I went up there June 3rd and I, uh, I camped. I started out I started out as a wide receiver and then they uh, they put me at running back and then they put me at safety. Um, so I kind of went all over the place. Um, but the really neat part was right after the camp, they, they pulled me in the coach's office. Um, and they obviously Paul Chris offered me, which is a moment I'll never forget. Um, and then as you're we walking out, coach Rudolph said that they like me at running back receiver and safety. So they don't really know where they're going to play me, but they know they definitely want me, which, which is something awesome. Kate, I think that's probably one of the most intriguing and exciting things about you coming into the program in this class, maybe as versatile as anybody that you're coming in with. Um, what positions did you play in high school? Do you have a preference in college? Um, I really, to be honest, I really don't have a preference. Um, this is, I'm going to hit you with a cliche here, but <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, I, I'll really play wherever they need me um, and wherever I feel like I can make, I feel like I make an impact. Uh, I feel like I can make plays wherever they need me. Um, and that's, that's kind of my plan. Uh, in high school, 
I was the starting running back, um, and they'd put me at slot receiver here and there. Uh, and defensively, I'd play a lot of safety, but when you play teams that are running, that actually moved me to linebacker. So I kind of kind of did a lot of stuff. <laughs> so you've, you, you've legitimately got no idea where you're going to play at Wisconsin at this point. Um, that's not actually coach Rudolph actually came over to my house, um, for like a home visit. It was last week on Monday. Um, and I was, I was talking to him and I said, well, looking at my senior film, I go, where do you, where do you think it'd at least start me out as, um, and he said he likes me at running back. So maybe I'll start there. Who knows? But as of right now, it's still a mystery. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the lead, I guess, if I could throw that out there. It's, it's kind of funny. You say that they uh, had a, a bit of a fight, not a, eh. A little bit of a fight over Braylon Allen last year, obviously being such a great defensive player in high school, but then he wanted to play running back, ends up at running back and did what he did this year. So I'm sure there'll probably be a little bit of a fight for you. Jim Leonard will never give up. He'll probably want you on defense <laughs> and uh, get you over there at, at some point. But this is a rather small class. Uh, there's currently 13 guys committed, at least in, in terms of scholarship. Obviously, a lot of walk-ons going to be a part of it as well. And there's still uh, a number of other offers out there as well. What kind of uh, relationship do you have with the rest of this class? I know last year's class didn't get to spend a lot of time together because uh, of COVID and they didn't get to visit and that type of thing. Do you have a relationship with other members of this class? Yeah. I mean, I'd actually say we're a pretty tight group for, for barely seeing each other, if that makes sense. Um, it was kind of was kind of cool. We met, we met at the first time on my official visit. I didn't, obviously I didn't meet everybody, but I met the guys on my visit. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, it's a little awkward at first, like it always is. But I mean, once we spent like the three days together by day three, I mean, it's almost like we're best friends. <laughs> and that's I mean, that's 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 how you know you got something special there. Um, I mean, I think I think Tommy, you know, Tommy Makatosh, the uh, the one receiver, I think he committed just just because solely because of how good of uh, like kind of of a gr- group of, of guys we were. I mean, we had such a fun time together. It was when he when he said he's going to commit here, we all went crazy for him. Um <laughs> But I mean, it's just stuff like that. I, I, I feel like we're a great group of guys. I feel like we're a great group of players. Um, and I mean, obviously now my high school career is over, so I'm looking forward to Madison. Did you have a favorite aspect of your visit when you came, your official visit? Anything that uh, stands out that you took home with you? Probably. Um, I mean, this is this is obvious, but definitely when I committed, um, I committed in person in front of uh, Coach Chris in his office. Um, Right, like we're pretty much it was my family and it was him, um, and that kind of one-on-one talk we had was once again, it's another thing you'll never forget. Kate, you mentioned that there's a possibility you'll play running back. Obviously, it could be receiver, could be safety, but you did play running back the most on offense in high school. For people out here who perhaps have never had an opportunity to watch you play, can you describe what you think you do as a running back? What's your skill set? Um, I feel like, um, I mean, obviously I'm a strong guy. Uh, I obviously like try to the weight room and everything, but, um, I feel like my number one thing is kind of my burst, my acceleration and my quickness. Um, I think that's what kind of really makes me stand out. I've had a lot of people tell me they've never seen like, you know, feet as fast as mine and me, obviously my acceleration is like through the roof. Um, so that's kind of my thing is I feel like I could put a pretty good move on someone, stun them for a second, and then accelerate right past them. Um, and I've, I've done that a lot in my high school career. Um, and that's something I continue to plan to, you know, co- to continue to plan to do in college. Um, but I feel like that's kind of my main aspect is I'll see a hole or I won't see a hole. And then I'll, you know, somehow like sidestep or spin off or, 
you know, whatever. <laughs> and then, but that little like hesitation or that little, you know, quickness move. And then my acceleration to blow past, blow past them, um, I think is what kind of, that's kind of my style. You're talking about, you know, potentially guy people, fans here, maybe not having seen you play in learning about the rest of the class. Do you watch highlights? Do you go on huddle and, and look at their highlights? Or like, how do you, how do you learn about these guys? Not just obviously personally, but their games and, and what they're about. Do you go highlight and just like go down the YouTube or huddle rabbit hole and start looking at guys? Um, I mean, I, I really won't. I mean, I haven't really looked at anybody yet, to be honest. Um, I mean, obviously, I've seen some videos on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, obviously, I'll start watching more now. Um, but I mean, pretty much when it comes to just getting to know what a guy's about, it's I kind of look at who they are as a person first, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, and I mean, once again, like you're never going to learn. Uh, I mean, excuse me, if you're going to learn something about someone, you're going to do it obviously in person. And that's on the official visit is when I really got to learn who they are as people. Um, and that was another reason why I kind of, you know, kind of jolted me to, to obviously commit to Madison. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wanted to see who they are as people first. And obviously, I mean, I think they're a great group of guys. Um, and I mean, I haven't really watched much film yet, but I probably will now, <laughs> you know, your combine numbers are kind of, off the charts, you were talking about some of the things you do well as a running back. I think you have a 40 plus inch vertical. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know you work with um, D Brown at the 210 speed and agility training. And um, I was talking to him for the, the story that I'm writing about you. He had mentioned he works with a bunch of NFL guys, as you know, Aaron Donald's one of them, three time NFL defensive player of the year. And he said he felt like when all, you, you work out with a lot of those other people, D1 guys, guys who are at Penn State. Is that something that you think helps you and it makes it easier when you get into situations in games or, or just around other quality players because you're working out with guys at that level? Is that a, a reasonable way to put it? Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like when it comes to working out with them, I feel like if anything, it not only you know helps you grow as a player because they know what they're talking about. They know how to do certain things the right way. So you can kind of pick off of them. But on top of that, too, I mean, it just gives you confidence. Um, that's something I always kind of struggled with when I was younger is I never I never really knew how, you know, like how good I was. Um, and for me to like obviously do drills with these guys and kind of keep up with them and them telling me like, you know, wow, I like I look pretty good and I have this. I mean, it, it, it built my confidence and it made me realize like, wow, like I, like I can play with them. I can be with them. I, I could almost maybe get to their level, you know. Um, and that's, I mean, that's something huge. If you have confidence, you have belief in yourself. I mean, you, you can take that pretty far. Was it seven on seven football that helped show you on the field that you can hang with pretty much anybody? Cause you, you play for pretty much a premier team in the Pittsburgh area, right? Yeah. Uh, evolve, evolve in the, with, you know, with the two tents, they're definitely the, uh, they're definitely like the team in the Western PA. Um, I mean, they, de everybody knows they have the best talent. Everybody knows they have the best guys. Um, and for me to start, you know, like on their roster when I was younger, a younger guy to start and for me to actually like contribute and be, you know, like one of the leading receivers and et cetera, stuff like that. I mean, that, that's a huge confidence built already. <laughs> Your journey to Wisconsin um, it probably took longer than you maybe would have anticipated because of the pandemic. You had all those offers from the Ivy League schools. Did you wonder whether a bigger program would come calling? Were you just waiting for over a year because nobody could see you in person? Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously I was excited. I, I kind of want to just get what I can get when it comes to like offers and recruiting and stuff. But, um, my number one, uh, it was Wisconsin just because of how they were treating me and just because, you know, I mean, they're, they're top 25 every year. 
they're competitive. Uh, plus I loved, I loved the coaches. I loved like the people they were. I could, I could, you know, get, get a good feel of who they were as, as people. Um, but I mean, I, I just fell in love with the school from the start. Even, even before I even went up there to camp, this is a funny story. My, uh, my grandpa was over my house and I wrote down every offer I had and we were talking and I said, well, if, if the list stays like this, where do you think I should commit to? And I turned to my right, I started talking to my dad and my grandpa takes the, the pen and he writes underneath it, Wisconsin and circles it. <laughs> um, and then he taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and he points and said, I picked this one. So once, <laughs> once I got that school, I, I knew, I knew, I knew I was, I knew I was going there. Badgers <laughs> fans are going to love hearing that. I think another thing. <laughs> I just, just, yeah. Did you have any uh, connections to Wisconsin before that? Like, it, it just seems, you know, just out of the blue that that was what he was writing. Um, I mean, no, I really personally, I didn't have any connections, but I know, um, I know D Brown had connections with coach Rudolph. Um, and I'm, uh, my guess is, I don't know if coach Rudolph asked him for a player and he either mentioned me or maybe he just called him and told him about me, but, um, either way, I mean, he definitely helped put me on Wisconsin and obviously, I mean, luckily I was able to do the rest. D Brown told me that he coached, he trained a couple guys who played, for Wisconsin about a decade ago, uh, Manasseh Garner and Reggie Mitchell. And so he, that was kind of how he knew coach Rudolph and coach Christ. And it sounds like he recommended you to them. Uh, and that's kind of how the, the thing got started. So I guess it's a good thing, you know, you know him and have been working with him. Yeah. I mean, he, um, my dad actually refers to him as the wizard because he's, <laughs> he's pretty smart when it comes to recruiting and talent Like he can evaluate pretty well. Um, and he actually was, once I got it, he was one of the first people to tell me, go there. He said, that's definitely your spot. That's definitely where your skill set can be uh, utilized. Um, so that's another thing that kind of, you know, boosted my decision. Well, I got one more question for you. I, obviously, there's a number of reasons Badgers fans will, will probably love watching you play. But another thing that I'm sure they love is you've somehow never gotten a B in school, which I can't believe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how have you managed to pull that off? And do you, do you have a favorite class, something you're looking forward to studying at Wisconsin? Um, I really don't have a favorite class, but I'm not a huge fan of like reading and I'm not a huge fan of writing papers. Um, but so English department, I'm kind of, you know, pushing that, <laughs> pushing that one aside. Um, but I mean, when it comes to not having a B, I mean, it's, it's really just, I kind of want to say, I mean, it was obviously me. I did the work, but I mean, my mom was really pushing me and really helped me with, with academics, especially calc last year. Calc last year was arguably the hardest class ever taken. Um, and like I ended with a, like a 90, 91. Like, I mean, I was right there. <laughs> like every court, I was right there. Um, but my mom luckily is a Calc teacher. So she kind of, you know, helped me through it. Uh, if it wasn't for my mom, I definitely would not have straight A's. Speaking as a communication major, uh, never had to take calculus. So uh, thankfully, because I would not have passed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I won't speak for Jesse. I won't speak for Jesse, but uh, oh, you can. So, I wouldn't have passed it. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, this is, see, this is why I majored in English and I had to write all those papers. I can't do any of the things that you get A's in. So, yes, we got, go. we got BAs. You're going to get a BS, I, I assume, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> from Wisconsin. It's going to be great to have you here. Uh, Kate, certainly appreciate your time and uh, uh, enjoy Wednesday. And, and then uh, we'll get to see you in Madison soon. Thank you very much for having me. All right, there was Cade Iacomelli, uh, the uh, talented and versatile, I guess you would say, recruit Jesse from, from Pennsylvania. 
I know you got a story coming on uh, coming on him as well, right? I do. Right. Going to be running Wednesday. Okay. All right. So uh, Wisconsin's class, 2022 class, uh, right now as we speak, it's 13 uh, commits in the um, uh, among scholarship players. They actually got quite a few guys, like walk-ons, that could have had scholarships elsewhere that they ended up here too. So we'll see. Uh, I think it may be one of the more talented walk-on groups that they've had. But uh, again, Wisconsin will sign their class tomorrow. We will be back. Uh, we will get uh, a ton of access tomorrow. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about what we learned on Wednesday and and uh, Tuesday as well. As we get to talk to a bunch of offensive players too. Uh, anything you want to add, Jesse, here on this uh, 2022 recruiting class? Well, I think that there's still going to be a couple more that are added to this class. And and another part of that conversation with Paul Chris was specifically about the, the number of people in the class. And uh, you've seen how people leave at midseason the transfer portal and that frees up scholarships. So if they don't go to walk-ons, which some of them could, walk-ons already in the program, there are opportunities. So I, I think that Wisconsin is not done yet. Even as we're talking, I imagine by the end of Wednesday, the number is going to be higher and then you've got the next couple months until the February signing period. So this recruiting cycle is not done yet. Don't fear Badgers fans. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up later this week. Thanks, Zach. All right. There is Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.